Hello, and welcome to the Designing with Love podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pellegrin, where my goal is to bring you information, tips, and tricks as an instructional designer. Hello, GCU students and alumni. Welcome to episode 15 of the Designing with Love podcast. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Amanda Guerrero, who I work with in my company. Welcome, Amanda, to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes, happy to have you as well. Thank you for agreeing to have me interview today. Anytime. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I started out as a high school math teacher for 10 years. Um, I worked at two different high schools. And during that time, both of the high schools went to that one-on-one environment for the first time um, using computers in the classroom. So it was that that really kind of made me fall in love with uh, creating online learning and creating that online learning environment that could pair well with my digital or with my physical classroom. So having that digital piece and then the physical piece together. Um, And that then drove me to seek a master's degree in instructional design and leave the classroom. Wow. Okay. So you made that transition and now you're an instructional designer. So can you tell us a little bit of the work that you currently do as an instructional designer right now? Sure. Um, Currently, I work at a Christian college um, in the College of Education. So taking my background knowledge of being a teacher and putting it to use and helping our curriculum developers design courses um, and then um, myself making sure that those programs align correctly with the standards that are there uh, for teacher uh, preparation and um, that we get all of the the needs of the students um, put together within those programs. Uh, for teacher ed. Great. So you're you're preparing the future teachers of America. (laughs) Exactly. So going from being a teacher to preparing teachers. Um, And then I I teach courses too um, with the the corresponding institution. Um, And I teach instructional design courses, but most of the time I teach those secondary courses. So putting that background knowledge to use there, which is very helpful then when we're revising them, um, because I've had that experience in the classroom as the teacher implementing them and seeing what works and doesn't work. And I can get to take that back then to our collaborative groups um, and share some of my experiences as we talk with our subject matter experts about theirs as well. Wow, that's great. So how did you become interested in the position and industry you work in currently? Well, when I was doing my master's degree, I was pretty dead set on getting out of education. Um, I I didn't foresee myself working at a college. Um, I thought I'd be working more in a business and industry, helping with trainings. And um, I did a capstone project on a a system that uh, tracks like things for stores um, and doing training for that. So I thought I would be doing something more along those lines. Um, However, when I went to go interview for some of those jobs after I'd finished my degree, a lot of times they were saying stuff like, oh, you were a teacher. Oh, you're in education. And it was almost a deterrent for some of um, the people that were hiring in the business. Like I I interviewed for an electric company um, and they were like, well, you're a teacher. Why aren't you going into education? Um, So I took a step back and I was like, yeah, maybe they're right. Um, So I started looking at at different positions um, 
I lived in a smaller town, so I, I looked up in in the bigger city where we're at um, to ex- kind of expand my horizons there. And I had heard a lot about the university because they have a really great teacher preparation program and they have a lot of outreach. So some of the schools that I had taught at had actually paired with the university before, um, and they had a position open specifically with the College of Education. And when I interviewed with them, it it just really felt kind of like home. Um, the language was familiar. Um, I was I, I knew all the answers to the interview questions because I had been a teacher um, and it, it was specific for College of Ed. Uh, so I really felt like even though I had wanted to get out of education, um, that this might be a different way for me to use my base knowledge um, and then also put that new degree to use as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That is interesting how you were, you found at the beginning, there was that deterrent where you weren't getting those interviews um, because they, Mm -hmm. they looked at your, your background. So that's kind of interesting how sometimes there's that bias there. They don't even realize it probably sometimes (laughs) that there's that. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's true. Are there any? Oh, go ahead. (laughs) As much as I tried to kind of spin it as I can take this knowledge and I can apply it in different ways into the adult learner and all of those different things. Um, Mm -hmm. And my capstone project wasn't about anything education based. It was about that training system I was working on. Um, They still they still saw that background knowledge as, Mm -hmm. well, maybe you're not our number one candidate. I had a couple of interviews, but it seemed like I was never at the top of that candidate list, um, not having that background. That is interesting. Wow. Yeah. It sounds similar to when I, when I interviewed for an instructional designer position at PetSmart and I had the higher education experience and they said, well, you don't have banking experience. And I was like, banking, what is, yeah. what does that have to do with PetSmart? But then later on, I thought about it. I was like, well, cashier, things like that, but still it didn't quite make sense. And so I interviewed twice and then I couldn't get past the first interview. So then I went through a, an agency, a creative agency through Robert Half. And then they said, oh, well, we partner with PetSmart. And I was like, oh, really? So they got me in the door and got the contract, but it only lasted six months, but it was a great experience. And so had I not had that experience, who knows what would have happened, but it was kind of interesting how I was like banking. <laughs> so, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. So I know it's kind of like, it throws you off sometimes uh, with yeah. that. So sometimes they're looking for, yeah, they're looking for some of those like niche little skills sometimes to pair mm-hmm. with that instructional design experience. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's not much we can do at that point. We just have to say, try to explain it like you did and say, I, I can do this, you know, and, yeah. And I remember they even asked me in the interview I had whether I had an experience in Adobe InDesign. And I said, well, no, but I can learn it. You know, I can take mm-hmm. a week and, and learn it. And at that time it was Linda. Now it's LinkedIn Learning. And so I did. I took my first week and had two computer screens. One had InDesign and one had uh, the Linda with the training on it. And I was able to get up and running at least enough to learn it. So, you know, mm-hmm. you never know. <laughs> so it's I did learn. Good. I did learn that that it was always a good idea to for each job that I interviewed for to look at their job description and see what those skills were Mm -hmm. that they were exactly looking for and moving those around on my resume or making sure they were included on the resume, making sure those things were highlighted. Um, And even at the current position I'm at, that's one of the things that I did is tweak my resume just so that I can call out the very specific things they call out in that job description. That's important. Yes. Because that's one of the things in the capstone course that I talk about is that automated mm-hmm. tracking system that they that 
a lot of employers use where they filter it through like a computer system and it'll Mm -hmm. pull out keywords and phrases. So that's good that you, you do that. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's definitely a good tip. Absolutely. So are there any specific areas in which you're expanding your knowledge and skills in the field right now, especially with all the technology out there, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Generative AI, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) AI, 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 all the way. Um, So not just even using them like in my own work to, to better, you know, what I'm creating and, and what I'm putting out there. Um, But also because I'm in the teacher prep program, um, writing assignments where the teacher candidates can use AI as well for things like lesson planning and creating diverse learning experiences, writing communications to families and other faculty, um, and even completing their paperwork sometimes like IEPs and 504s and things like that. Um, So kind of a twofold thing of how can I use it better, but then how can I also integrate it in the curriculum that that we're creating? Wow, that's exciting. I wouldn't have thought of that with uh, IEPs and 504s. Yeah, being able to Mm -hmm. be more efficient in the work that they can do too as teachers and um, and be able to harness that technology and utilize it as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, AI technology is definitely, and it's probably, uh, you're probably discussing it a lot in your classes, and we are too, and the ones I'm teaching. And another area that seems to be coming up a lot is microlearning. Have you noticed that coming up a lot, microlearning? I have. I have both um, as a professional, like in my professional experience, but then also as, of course, that teacher prep part too. Um, We just created a micro learning. Some of the people on my team for, um, we have these standard learning objects that are like flashcards and um, sequencers and like little fun, you know, fun ways to, to distribute that information. Um, and we just did a micro learning for the other people that work with us of how to set those up and, and how to do that. So, um, yes, yes. Exciting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the mm-hmm. students in this program will use either Adobe Captivate or Articulate Rise 360, but it seems like, a there's been a discussion post this week in my classes where the students are like, it seems like a lot of the jobs that they're looking at in Indeed and other places for instructional design, the employers are tending to gravitate towards Articulate Rise 360 and the Articulate family of products and not so much towards Captivate anymore. Have you found that to be the case too? Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Um, just like you were saying on LinkedIn, I I get good updates on like jobs that are out there for instructional designers, just, you know, keeping up with the field and making sure, you know, that you know, kind of what's expected in the field. I'm um, not necessarily looking for a new job, but, um, right. you know, just keeping up with things. And yeah. I definitely noticed an increase of that articulate, articulate and um, some of those other ones that are out there. Um, definitely less Adobe. Um, Adobe's a, a big a big one, right? Like right. there's lots in it. There's lots to learn. There's lots of little intricacies and pieces. And um, sometimes it's not the most user-friendly. Um, right. That's true. So I see, I see yeah. why it's out there. Um, Education-based though, I see a lot of the free stuff out there as well. Um, Google Classroom is another, or Google in general, the Google Suite is another oh, huge yeah. one that I've been seeing out there a lot, um, especially when it comes to education and, and, you know, staying in instructional design. But if you're more of that Edu- former educator person, um, the Google suite has been a big one that I've seen. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too with the students that I teach since I would say about 80% are 
in education. So that's a very common one. But Mm -hmm. lately, I've been having some military students that have been in the program too, and they use Blackboard in the military. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, because it's secure. Mm -hmm. And but yet they say it's clunky. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of that. I've only used Blackboard as a student a couple times. So um, so I wouldn't have even thought of that. But as an administrator, Mm -hmm. I can see if that's that's probably the case. Mm -hmm. So the LMS that I'm seeing the most is probably Canvas. Oh, yeah. Canvas. Um, That's that's been the most. Yep. Yep. And because it integrates really well with a lot of other um, like applications, like you can bring in Edpuzzle, which is a big one in the education world because it has right. videos and you can drop in questions. Um, so it, it'll it bring in some of those other applications that the school's already using or may already have a subscription for, um, and it, it'll deliver them through the platform. So Canvas has been a big one that I've seen on a lot of the education ones. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And a couple of my students had mentioned one of the DQs in the class I'm finishing up today actually was about LMS platforms and, and just what what are some out there. And yeah, Canvas was mentioned a few times. And one of my students mm-hmm. was like, I love it. And this is why. And so she mentioned Edpuzzle too. So that's yep. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That's great. Yeah. So you're trying to stay up just in general in the industry and just trying to make sure that the technology is still relevant. And that's important. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I really like LinkedIn for staying up to date with things because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've picked the friends or the friends that I have, the people that I follow are people that are in my same kind of line of instructional design. Um, most of our um, are in education or somewhere kind of in the same similar scope that I am. So the things that they post about and the things they write about um, are a little bit more streamlined into the those things that I'm interested in or or that affect me personally as an instructional designer. Um, sometimes when I go on those big conferences or those bigger um, uh, groups that, that do with do things with instructional design, um, they're they're all over the place. You know, they're they're trainings and and businesses and education too. Um, so I I like my LinkedIn for kind of streamlining the information for me um, of what's relevant to me. Yeah, that's important. I think that's good because it can get overwhelming if you're being pulled in all these different directions as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for the students to hear that too, just to kind of focus in on what kind what kind of um, area do you want to focus on? Is it K through 12, higher education, corporate, you know, what, mm-hmm. what kind of area, and then just kind of hone in on, on that area. Um, and as I like, well. I like that it has a mixture of um, the social media aspect, but also like, um, more professional. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like Facebook or Instagram or all those things, but you don't have all of that personal stuff clogging it up. Um, (laughs) you know, it's really streamlined to that professionalism piece, um, but I can still interact with people, um, which I really, I really like. Yeah, it's really great. They started something recently and I've contributed to a few articles where you, based on your skills that you put in LinkedIn, you can contribute to parts of an article. And so they'll have like all these parts of it. And if you contribute three or more, you get this badge that's added to your LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty neat. So I think I've done two, I think, um, when the third one comes up, but it's really neat, because they'll say, you're one of the few that has the expertise to weigh in on this. And I'm like, Oh, wow, okay. It makes you feel a little bit more like, okay, yeah, I'll do this. Because, you know, it's and plus, you're contributing to the greater community, too. So it's, it's really great to have that opportunity. So if you ever see those opportunities and hopefully my students see those too, or your students see them, it's really great to have that opportunity to weigh in on a certain area that you have knowledge in as well and contribute. So 
Great. So the last question is, uh, what are some tips and advice you can share with those who are currently in the master's program in instructional design at GCU here? I would say keep your options open. Um, you know, the instructional design field is fast, is, is vast, and you, you really never know what opportunities are going to be out there when you're done with your program or, you know, five years down the road, you might get in one job and then find that uh, you just need a change of pace. And so there's a lot of opportunity within the field of instructional design to move around and find, you know, where your love lies or where your interests lie. Um, and you may even find something that you, you know, you didn't think you were interested in, but when you, when you get in there, um, you find that you really, really like it. So, um, you know, don't put yourself into a box when you're out there looking for a job when you get done, or even when you're doing your assignments. Um, so if you're in education right now, don't do every single assignment for every single course, just something in your classroom with your students. Get out of your classroom, do something with other teachers, maybe where you're doing a professional development, or maybe even you know, work with your husband on a training, something that he needs for his business, um, something like that, or a friend. Um, so just different ways of, well, you're in this class experiencing other things and not the things that you already know. Um, and then the other one would be, yeah, making sure that you reach out to others. Um, I've learned a ton from other people. Uh, in this field. And so whether it be people in your program and talking in the discussion questions or, you know, exchanging numbers, reaching out, going throughout some other social media and and talking to them a little bit more other than just the, you know, targeted discussions in the class. Um, LinkedIn, again, great place to do that or any other professional platform, really. Um, Making sure that you're forming some type of community of instructional designers around you because you never know when you're going to need those connections in the future or when those connections are going to benefit you in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's important. Definitely. And one thing I've noticed my students doing too, is if they, um, that I'll let them know to keep in touch with me. And sometimes they will do that. So when they get towards the end of their program, they'll reach back out to me and say, Hey, can you help me? You know, what, what's my next steps? How do I get into, you know, how do I get my foot in the door? So it's really nice. I've been able to interview or not interview, but just talk to some of the students as well. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, that's and great. you know, you always need those professional personal references and things like that. So yeah. having another instructional designer on there, even though you're not an instructional designer yet, or haven't had a job in instructional design, um, that can just show that, you know, you are part of the field and, and you're reaching out to others. Right. That's true. Yeah. Building that community is so important and mm-hmm. being, being able to support each other in the, in the field is, is really great. Absolutely. For sure. Wonderful. Anything else, Amanda, that you wanted to share with the students in the program uh, that you can think of? Um, Not that I can think of. I, I, I think the only thing is... Um you know, collaboration is key in instructional design. So if you're looking for a soft skill to work on, collaboration would be the one soft skill that I would say would be um, kind of that that number one skill that if I was hiring an instructional designer, I would look for. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your time and your expertise. Uh, I know my students will benefit from hearing your your take on everything. And, and it's wonderful because my students love these interviews when I can tap into the the experts in the field as well. So I appreciate, I appreciate it. you having me. Thank you. You're Jackie. welcome. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you for taking some time to listen to this podcast episode today. Please take a moment to like the episode and share it with others so they can learn about this topic as well. Have a great day.